0: Can you think of a situation where keeping a secret was a good thing and where it's a positive that someone could be trusted to keep a secret? Yeah, secrets can be good. But then can you also think of a situation where a secret was a bad thing, where a secret was a hurtful, painful, evil thing? I think we've all seen that side of secrets, too. On this episode of the Discover the Word podcast, Elisa Morgan wants to explore with us some of the references to secrets in Scripture.
1: You know, the Bible uses the word secret to describe both positive and negative kind of aspects of our relationship with God, and I want us to go into that use of secrets in Scripture and pull it apart a little bit and see what we might be able to learn about secrets.
0: Yeah, Bill Crowder, Daniel Ryan Day, and Rasul Berry join Elisa at the table for a study called Secret Things on Discover the Word. And it is good to have you here at the table with us as well at the front end of another hour of studying the Bible together on Discover the Word. And in this edition of the podcast... Elisa is going to be leading us to some passages of Scripture where this idea of secrets comes up and I think we'll find it a helpful perspective-shaping series of conversations that will answer some questions about and help form our relationship with God. Because this idea of secrets and mystery comes up in a number of ways in Scripture. and Not surprisingly, it comes up with both negative and positive connotations. And so I think it's going to be fun to explore that in this series called Secret Things. So let's get started and listen as Elisa turns to Bill and Daniel and Rasul and begins with this question.
1: Okay, you guys remember playing hide and seek when you were kids? Of course. Yep. Ah,
0: yeah. I've yeah. got kids, so we
2: still play yeah. hide <laughs>
1: and seek. <laughs> okay. And do you have a favorite place or did you? have a favorite place to hide.
3: Well, where I grew up in West Virginia, there were woods all over the place and so there were a couple of trees that I could climb and oh, get up into the tree and that's good. nobody'd ever find you up there. I could be up there for days and nobody'd know.
2: My goal in playing hide and seek is to find some place where I can lay down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is today. This yeah. is not when you're a kid. Yep. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. We would play
4: outside on city blocks but they had bushes in front of the homes and I just remember being so good at it like they would just leave me there (laughs) and I would just start hearing people count again like one, two, three, I'm like wait a minute and so I kind of had a love-hate relationship with it. You were so good at it. I was so good at it. Yeah, yeah, They never found you. At least that's
2: how I like to think
1: of it. Do you ever feel kind of like you're playing hide and seek with God? I mean that's like a quick turn but I mean Mm -hmm. that feeling of- Is
3: God the one hiding? Maybe. It's how I, I feel, feel like, sometimes. yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah. yeah. And you can tell from some of the Psalms, that's how David felt sometimes, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And you start wondering, does God use secrecy or mystery or hiddenness to confuse us or to trick us or to, I don't know, make him really hard to know? Sometimes I wonder to withhold what mm-hmm. we need. It's a warped view of God, I admit it. but sometimes i have felt that way and you know the bible uses the word secret to describe both positive and negative kind of aspects of our relationship with god like secret sins and then secret service and secret places you know and i want us to go into that use of secrets in scripture and pull it apart a little bit and see what we might be able to learn about Mm -hmm. secrets from focusing there and in this conversation i want to look at secret things Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is a verse that I think is very mysterious, and it's in the Old Testament. It's in Deuteronomy 29. Actually, it's verse 29 of Deuteronomy 29. Uh, Daniel, would you read it?
2: Just right out of context. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right out of yeah, because I think that's exactly how we take it. Yep.
2: The secret things belong to the Lord our God but the revealed things belong to us and to our children forever to observe all the words of this law.
1: I love that you said just right out of context. (laughs) Yeah, because I've heard this verse before. I mean, have you guys heard this verse? Yeah. Right out of context? Yeah, always. Okay, let's take it out of context. Mm -hmm. What at first blush do you think this means? Don't look at the context.
4: I mean, it it feels like you could look at it like a proverb that Mm -hmm. says the secret (laughs) things can then become anything you want it to be right like oh I have some insight about God that none of you have and you know he's revealed it to me (laughs) because they are secret things that he tells me so I could see a a certain type of leader abusing Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. to (laughs) kind of create a sense of mystique about Mm -hmm. him or herself as opposed to those that follow
2: what I assume about it as I'm reading it is secret things are things that I don't know belong to God but the revealed things so like things that I do understand or think I know <laughs> uh-huh. are things that I understand and so in that way they belong but then are often things that I end up teaching my kids whether mm-hmm. I mean to or not
1: yeah that's that's helpful yeah I kind of uh-huh. come
3: at it with a hybrid that the secret things belong to the Lord because they're too high for me they're, they're too much I can't Process them. Fortunately, God does not have our limitations, and He gives us the stuff we can handle, mm-hmm. but doesn't burden us with the stuff that's too high for us. Okay,
1: so Bill's going to win the college bowl today. You know, I, th- I think that's. I think that is what the context will help us understand. But this verse is taken out of context a lot, and Russell, a good illustration, and Daniel, good illustration as well, is how it can be like blindly. Used, mm-hmm. as you were saying, Daniel, and abused, as you were saying, Russell. The, the context is that it's one of the darkest passages in Scripture Ugh. about God's judgment. And he's giving, he, in the context of Deuteronomy 29, he's talking about what's going to happen to his beloved children, Israel, because they have disobeyed and worshipped other gods. Okay, that's what he's talking about. And then this verse 29 is... It's like a an insertion that really describes his ultimate, beyond our understanding, love, power, etc., and the character of God. And we know that this verse 29 really sits within that context of his nature. Okay, some translations will use the word hidden, not secret. And I think we also go into thinking, well, he's talking about hidden sins here, mm. you know, but There are references to hidden sins in other scriptures, Mm -hmm. but this isn't one of them. Mm. The Word really conveys information that's concealed from the notice or the knowledge of everybody (laughs) except for God. Mm. And it's really about God's purposes, that which is beyond our grasp, beyond our understanding. Now, read it one more time, Daniel, and see if that helps us hear it differently now.
2: The secret things or hidden things belong to the Lord our God, but the revealed things belong to us and to our children forever
3: to observe all the words of this law. What strikes me as I'm listening to Daniel read that again is not just the context of this section on wrath, but also the larger context of Deuteronomy. Yeah. For 40 years, they've been wandering in the wilderness the law is being reissued to them because it's a new generation from the generation that had agreed to the law at sinai now you've got a new generation and this is the very end of it i mean we're one chapter away from the death of moses or something i mean we're getting close to them going into the promised land and it's almost as if the dark part of it is god's warning to them of the dangers that they're gonna face in the promised land from the nations and their false gods and all that stuff, that there are consequences for following that, and they may not always understand it, but God does. Mm. What I see in part of this is, yeah, we talk about the wrath
4: in chapter 29, but if you look at the next verse in chapter 30, uh, so this is right after the secret things verse, it says, and when all these things come upon you, The blessing and the curse, Mm -hmm. which I've set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord, your God has driven you and return to the Lord, your God, you and your children and obey his voice. in all that I command you today with all your heart and with all your soul, then the Lord, your God will restore your fortunes and have mercy on you. And he will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord, your God has scattered you. Mm. And when I read that, I go there's this mystery that almost like Moses is pointing to now that's really the historic mystery of life, right? How does a holy God be reconciled to sinful people and still be holy, but still be gracious and merciful and so it's like, oh, yeah, this is the tension, right? Wrath is coming, judgment is coming, but so is grace and mercy. How does that work? That's a hidden thing. That's right. That only I can figure <laughs> That's out.
1: exactly it. That's exactly it. The reason for secrecy is, you know, I think we misinterpret that too. Again, we think God's hiding from us. We think he's trying to trick us. We think he's trying to test us. And the reality is... We can't handle it. <laughs> you know, the reality is he's awaiting the revelation. He's awaiting his timing. I, I think of other scriptures that we've looked at, like Acts 1-7. It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father is set by his authority. Or, or Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. One commentator said, Secret things are secret because they belong to God, but he will keep back nothing Mm. that is profitable for us. Mm. So it's not like an abuse of power or um, an absence of understanding and ignorance of power. It's an intentional hiding, hiddenness secret because we can't handle more than it.
2: Mm. So when we think about just complicated places in scripture like this or God's judgment or... Just, I mean, Scripture's full of painful things we don't understand and just confuse us about God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And oftentimes Mm -hmm. what we'll say, at least in these conversations about that, is one day we'll see what God has done and go, oh, yeah, that was right, even if that's at the end of all time. And so is that perhaps part of the hidden things, too, which I think is kind of riffing on what Rasul said, where it might take generations, or it might take the end of the world, for us to finally be able to see these things that were confusing and painful and hard for us, and look at those and say, oh yeah, God was just and good and loving and all of that at the same time.
1: If you even just look back at your own life, Hmm. even if you're younger, but especially if you're older, I think we can get glimpses of those Mm -hmm. moments when things that are incredibly painful and very confusing and just hurtful have happened. And yet we look back at them with a different perspective when we have lived longer and can see God in them.
4: Yeah. And I think that this other mystery and like Bill was saying, I think sometimes in our culture, we're such a knowledge driven people that we forget that there are things that only God can understand and know, and that he is God in heaven when we are Mm -hmm. here on earth. So let our words be few. Mm. And one of the greatest mysteries that we see or secrets uh, that Paul says is revealed in Jesus and how that just took time to unfold, Mm -hmm. but how we can sit and rest and realize that that was very much for our good. And so the things that he decides to hold for time are things that we can embrace.
1: Mm. He's not trying to play hide and seek with us, hoping to escape our discovery. He's unveiling his perfect plans yeah and his plan for redemption for us all
0: yeah i think this is going to be a good edition of the podcast as we explore the positive and the negative and maybe the misunderstood things about the way this idea of secrets is used in scripture now honestly when you think about secrets does your mind first go positive or negative my guess is negative For the most part, first blush, secrets we feel the need to keep from others and secrets others feel the need to keep from us, well, those are not the best part of life, are they? Some pretty dark and painful experiences likely come to mind. Well, in this part of the conversation about secret things, we're going to explore some passages of scripture that talk about secret sins and our inclination to hide, cover up, conceal, keep secret things from others, and things from God.
1: I want to ask to be a little bit vulnerable and maybe share a time, and I'll tee it up for you, that you tried to hide something, you know, Mm. as a kid, like pushing your peas under your potatoes, he didn't have to eat them, and you think your mom won't notice, you know, or telling the teacher, yeah, the dog ate my homework kind of thing. Share a time when you tried to cover up something, you know, what is something that you've done that you've hidden?
3: One of the things that uh, when I was growing up that my mom and dad loved and I hated was liver. (laughs) I just hate liver Mm -hmm. I hate everything about it. I hate its smell I hate its taste I hate its texture (laughs) yeah everything about it so they would fix liver and I'd end up with a pocket full of liver and running out to the woods after (laughs) dinner and dumping that stuff out in the woods
1: and they didn't know right well I'm sure they knew (laughs) yeah yeah I think they
3: kind of looked the other way yeah (laughs) yeah
4: I um I also feel like I can pick (laughs) of many but I, I remember one time a friend of mine, we were supposed to move chairs, this was like first grade, mm-hmm. and uh, the teacher had told us to move chairs. My friend didn't want to move it. He was like, I'll give you a dollar to move this chair, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> so I I moved it and then my mom was cleaning out my pockets because of course I had forgotten. It was okay. like, oh, there's a dollar, where'd you get this? And I was like, uh, someone gave it to me, <laughs> then later she found out what happened.
1: Yeah. I remember pretending like I had the flu in kindergarten because I knew that you got to go home, and so mm. I went up to the teacher and said I had a stomach ache, and I was so excited to get to go home. And my mom took my temperature, and there's nothing wrong with me. And so I said, I think I'll go out and play. She goes, Oh no! If you're sick, you're going to go in your room. <laughs> you could <gonna> take <laughs> a nap. And I was just so frustrated that it didn't work. But you know, these are light ones, and I think we could all go a little bit deeper. And think about some stuff you've really done. I'm not going to ask you to share them, but I want you to think of something. You know, what is something that you've done that you've hidden? And and it's kind of a secret because, you know, when we think about the word secret in conjunction with scripture, my mind goes to sin. Just as fast as it hmm. can go. Secret sin, secret sin, secret sin. And lo and behold, there's a whole bunch of passages that talk about hidden sin. And I just want to kind of run through them and see what we can learn about why sin and secret are paired so often in Scripture. Mm-hmm. It's very intuitive, but I think Scripture also reveals. So let's start off in Psalm 19, verse 12. What do you read there?
3: But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, this word he really does mean secret, hidden, concealed, but sometimes it's also kind of an unintentional. It's mm-hmm. like you might not have meant to do something, and the psalmist is kind of re- referring to that. Verse 12 is covering those, and then he goes on in verse 13, and he covers more intentional errors and in sins and wickedness and presumptuous and willful sins. In fact, the message translates it this way in the paraphrase. God's word warns us of danger and directs us to hidden treasure. Otherwise, how will we find our way or know when we play the fool? Clean the slate, God, so we can start the day fresh. Keep me from stupid sins, from thinking I can take over your work. Then I can start the day sun-washed, scrubbed clean of the grime of sin. These are the words in my mouth. These are what I chew on and pray. Accept them when I place them on the morning altar, O God my altar rock, God, priest of my altar. Wow. That's Mm. a beautiful Mm. penitence, isn't it? Okay, how about Psalm 44, verse 21?
4: Yeah, I got that. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God have discovered it Mm. since he knows the secrets of the heart?
1: This is a different word for secret here. And this is applying to those things we hide, we cover up in our hearts that really only God can see. And the psalmist is attaching it to worshiping other gods. And, you know, we really haven't talked a whole bunch about modern day idolatry in the last several conversations we've had. But for a second, what does that look like for us, yeah. worshiping idols today?
2: Yeah, I mean, sometimes it can be fame or... Finances, or I don't know. Give me another f word or soul that we're allowed to say on the radio. Um, <laughs> focus but, on yourself. Yeah,
1: <laughs> focus on yeah. yourself. Because yeah. you know, I think maybe the 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 nub of idolatry is me. Yeah, in yeah. it. Yeah,
4: and I also think it's um, about trust. Mm. trusting in your own means more than trusting God yeah. who says my law is perfect. And so you should you know, obey it.
1: And in each one of these verses, we've only read two so far, there is this secrets of the heart, uh, hidden faults. It, there is this covering mm-hmm. up happening, but God searches it out, doesn't it? How about Psalm 90 verse eight, maybe? Yeah. Verse eight.
2: You have set our iniquities before you our secret sins in the light of your presence.
1: Hmm. Oh, Boom, there it is, secret yeah. sins.
3: And, you know, when we think we're hiding things, you know, uh, <laughs> we might be hiding them from each other. We might even be hiding them from ourselves. Mm-hmm. But what the psalmist is saying there is pretty clear, we're not hiding them from God. And he's the one whom ultimately we're accountable to.
1: I think it's C.S. Lewis who said, you can't blind an all-seeing God. Yeah. That haunts me. And it... The thing that's true about it, and this is from Luke 8:17. I'm going to read this one. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Okay, it's a very mysterious sentence in the middle of a very well-known text. What Do, do y'all remember what this text is about? It's the parable of the sower. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: Okay, so if we're going to understand and receive the word of God, well, there, our lives should look like it, should produce what the Word is trying to grow in us, you know, as the seed is going to grow in us. And the purpose of concealment isn't to hide or obstruct God, but to reduce the divine, this is a quote from a commentator, to the amount we can handle. You know, so there is this reality, and we've talked about it in our last conversation that things God is eventually revealing who he is and his character. We can't handle it all at once. And we also, therefore, we hide who we are because I think we're a little intimidated by him.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, just um, in the Psalm 90 passage, the light of his presence is what reveals it. And, and so it's almost like sin and brokenness and evil are often described in the Bible as darkness. Mm-hmm. And so we think that like in the darkness we can hide, but it's God's very light that ends up revealing what's really going on. And sometimes that light is to help us understand what's really going on because it's a blind spot for us or Mm -hmm. something like that, and we don't even see it. And so that's what I see both in the Psalm 90 passage, the passage you just described as well. It's like God's work and God's presence is what is Begins to reveal things even to us that we may not see.
1: That is so rich, Daniel. Thanks for expressing it that way. Because, you know, just the the phrase "secret sins" makes us want to cringe.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And God's intention in these passages is to <laughs> highlight, spotlight, if you will, those areas, but not to go "oh, gotcha." It's to go, "I still love you." Mm. It's mm-hmm. to go, let me have that. Yeah. Let me shine that and clean that up That's and dangerous help you. for you. It's dangerous yeah. for you.
4: Yeah. It reminds me of after Adam and Eve, you know, eat of the fruit and they hide from God, mm-hmm. try to use fig leaves to cover up. Mm-hmm. And his question of what, you know, you know, who told you you were naked mm-hmm. um, is intended to draw them to restoration. But there's this intensity of shame and guilt that oftentimes Mm -hmm. we have Mm -hmm. that you know goes all the way back to when we were kids yep that is also we struggle with just putting those things out there in the light but it feels so good when you do go into the light Mm -hmm. and you do let those things be known
2: and seen and experience the grace and forgiveness of god Mm -hmm. yeah that's what i was feeling as this conversation continued to unfold is there's a freedom that comes when we know even if it's just god we know god knows what's going on because so much energy and effort it takes True. to hide things right and so yeah. knowing that it's known yes is there's actually a little bit of freedom that comes also, with yeah. that too
3: yeah
1: it's interesting we hide and the word we use for it we hide our sin under a blanket of we call it shame and shame is so heavy you know it's so entrapping and painful And just accusatory in terms of you're worthless. And and God hides his glory. You know, that was our last conversation. He really hides his glory because we can't handle it in some ways. We hide our shame. But when both are revealed, when we bring our shame and the reason for it to God's glory, where the light shines in, (laughs) we're saved.
3: Yeah. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse Cleanse us us. Mm -hmm. of all of our unrighteousness. There's a lot of freedom in
0: that. Yeah. Our so called secret sins are not hidden from God, are they? And He isn't trying to hide the good news that we can be forgiven by accepting Christ's free offer of forgiveness. Well, so glad you're part of this study called Secret Things with Elisa Morgan, Bill Crowder, Daniel Ryan Day, and Rasul Berry here on the Discover the Word podcast. And in the next segment, We're going to flip from secrets not to keep of our secret sins to some things Jesus said we should keep secret. What might those be? Uh, We'll find out after we take a break to remind you of our project that we're coming close to wrapping up that we're inviting the Discover the Word group to help with. we are in the final week of our drive to help Our Daily Bread Ministries raise funds to produce a fourth season of our popular video series called The Holy Land with Jack Beck. We've had Jack on Discover the Word a number of times before and our, our Daily Bread film crew has also put together three previous seasons of this unique video Bible study that shows you the places where biblical history actually happened points out the distinctive geography of that region and, in the process, actually transforms the way you read your Bible. And so for the last eight weeks or so, we've been raising financial support to send our friend and Bible geography expert, Dr. Jack Beck, back to Israel, along with our film crew, to create 10 brand new episodes of this Holy Land series. And as you can imagine, it is expensive to travel with a crew to capture the high-quality footage that characterizes a production like this. And with inflation, I mean, it's more expensive than it's ever been. And so, right now, when you give on our DiscovertheWord.org website, 100% of your donation will be going toward production costs for the Holy Land Season Four. Now, Jack, you told me that you'd characterize some of the anecdotal response you've gotten from the videos as uh, strange and distant. Uh, What do you mean by that?
5: So strange and distant impact, right? So I, of course, occasionally I hear from folks who will write either with a word of encouragement to say we really benefited from this experience or with a question that they have as a result of having viewed the programming, I try to do as much as I can by way of answering them. But some of the more hilarious moments, I think, are those that occur actually when I'm in Israel walking among people from many different nations. And all of a sudden, someone will call across a busy parking lot, hey, Jack. And I look across and I see a face and I'm moving through the list of names and going, where do I know you from? Are you a former student? Do I know you from? And oftentimes they'll go, oh, no, no. You don't know me, we just happened to watch that video series in preparation to come here to Israel. Or we have been using that in our Bible study at home. And so I realized while I meet a handful of people who are impacted by these productions that we do, every now and then the Lord opens a little window for me and allows me to see some of the faces, some of the lives, some of the thousands of people that I know are impacted by this series, folks that I'll never meet, at least not until uh, we get together in heaven to reminisce a bit about our shared experiences. So I'm praying that the Lord will continue to allow this series to function in that global way, because it's not just people from around here, it's people from around the world who have had this experience of viewing these videos in communities as far-reaching as Iran, as Africa, as Korea. These are all places that have been touched by this programming, and if the Lord is encouraging you to participate, come alongside us, I would uh, love to have you join us financially in supporting this work. Yeah,
0: thanks, Jack, and so to give. Please go to discovertheword.org and click Donate. discovertheword.org, click Donate. And a huge thank you to all who have given. Your gift makes a difference, and we're thankful to God for you. And now back to our study of secret things on this edition of the podcast and some things that Jesus said he'd actually like us to keep secret. Tell me what you know about the Secret
1: Service's role in our government? You know, just what comes to mind?
3: Well, the first thing that usually comes to mind is the presidential protection detail. But that's a very small part. Secret Service is actually part of the Treasury Department. And one of their main things is fighting counterfeiting
1: well you are nerding out on us bill I, that is so cool yeah i, didn't I know, I know that. stuff uh,
3: but <laughs> not much of it helps me any but i do know stuff <laughs> i did not know that's so
1: what started with counterfeiting yeah
3: cool well now that's what i know yeah
4: <laughs> <laughs> i just think of men in suits with earpieces yeah. mm-hmm. talking into their wrist <laughs> and that the <laughs> president always has to have a code name yeah. mm-hmm. at least
2: that's what the movies tell
1: yeah and, and what's their role protect to protect
2: and to not be seen and
1: to not unless be seen. they're
2: needed yeah.
1: really yeah. good because is mm. drawing attention to themselves part of their gig
2: that's the opposite of what yeah. they are
1: what would happen if they focused on themselves rather than their assignment can you imagine
3: <laughs> Not a high success rate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a president might not live very long. Yeah.
1: You know, we've been so far in our conversation about secret things. Just to review a second, we've learned that God is secret in that he's beyond our understanding. You Mm. know, there are certain things that are hidden from us that he has yet to reveal. Mm. Uh, We also have learned that we can slip into secrecy Mm -hmm. when we Mm -hmm. sin. That's an icky word, when we mess up. We just immediately run to hide what we've done. And in this conversation, we want to talk about secret service, different kind of service. But I think the idea works. Service to God that he asks us to keep secret. Hmm.
4: Ah, I see what you did there. Yeah. Secret <laughs> service. The
1: scriptures we're going to look at are in the Sermon on the Mount, which is some of Jesus' most well-known teaching right this is in Matthew 6 we're gonna grab several verses here and I think there are three elements that Jesus asks us to do in secret okay Daniel would you grab the the first couple of verses and we'll listen to the first one
2: be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them if you do you will have no reward from your father in heaven
1: okay just that's setting up that's a preamble setting up all three Mm -hmm. of these elements isn't it and just netting that out what do you take that to mean
2: Well, I was thinking how funny it would be to read it the other way as if it (laughs) be careful to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Right. But I think the idea there is it's looking at motive and what is the reason behind trying to do what's right. right. And obviously the reward that is being looked for is for the people around us to see us and to be like wow that Daniel guy he's got it going on
1: and Jesus is really contrasting his disciples to the religious Mm -hmm. leaders who are doing everything for shows they see how much I love God and making a big deal in public about it Jesus disciples are to be humble sincere giving really careful attention to what they're doing, um, knowing that their righteousness is between themselves and God, not before others. Okay, so let's go on there, Daniel.
2: Yeah. So when you give to the needy, announce it with trumpets. (laughs) Wait, no, it (laughs) says do not announce it with trumpets, (laughs) as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, as that your giving may be in secret. Mm -hmm. Ooh, secret Mm -hmm. is your word. Then your father who sees what is done in
3: secret Mm -hmm. will reward you.
1: What's the deal with the trumpets?
3: You remember in Luke 18, when Jesus tells the story of the publican and the Pharisee, and they both come to the temple, and the Pharisee comes and makes a big show out of what he's doing so that everybody will pay attention to him and talk about how wonderful he is, and meanwhile... The poor tax collector's over to the side, and he won't even draw close. He just kind of pounds himself on the chest and says, God, be merciful Mm -hmm. to me, a sinner. And uh, that, making a big show of things, seems to be pretty commonplace because jesus talks about it obviously more than once
4: yeah i I think of the fact that trumpets still to this day are one of the loudest most piercing instruments (laughs) that you can just kind of play in terms of just when you hear one around you know what it is Mm -hmm. immediately it's not a flute no (laughs) (laughs) yeah it draws attention so this idea right of just trying to draw as much Mm -hmm. attention make as much noise about look at me look at what i'm doing Mm -hmm being the opposite of secret.
1: Jesus is speaking in New Testament times, which are deeply impoverished. You know, people need money. They are very poor. And he does say, do it in secrecy so that your right hand doesn't even know what your left hand's doing. That's like complete secrecy. You Mm -hmm. know, you don't even know what you're doing. You know, that's the kind of secrecy. Don't be like a hypocrite, which is, you know, the actor who's pretending. Okay, so let's give in secret. Okay, the next section, the second element, uh, so would you grab that in verse five?
4: And when you pray, do not be like
1: the hypocrites. There's hypocrites again.
4: For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Mm.
1: What do you mean by go into your room and pray? What would that have meant?
4: I see it as a contrast between going to the streets, okay. yeah. corners and yeah. in public and uh, synagogues, right? You know, I don't think it's mandating that there's some type of prayer room that you, ha, you know, have dedicated, mm-hmm. although there's nothing wrong with that. But just the the contrast between the quiet stillness, separation, isolation maybe versus
2: hey everybody look at me mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. in Palestinian houses the most common mm-hmm. house was there was one room and then there was like the outside area where the whole family would be together. And so it's even within the house, potentially being in the room that you would sleep in or whatever. Mm-hmm. So again, in contrast to being outside on the streets it or whatever. it has a small it's, window. It's just like being it's, inside your house. Yeah. Yeah. It's private versus public. Yeah. Okay. Which is kind of hard. So what do we do with that as like Christian leaders? Yeah. Sometimes mm. pray pray public right to be like worship leaders well i think
3: again you know i think rasul kind of nailed it when he said it's really about our motives you said that earlier Mm -hmm. as well daniel i think the lord knows our hearts when we're called upon to pray publicly or when anybody is i think it's just a matter of the heart are we trying to formulate some wise brilliant theological prayer so people Mm -hmm. will say Mm -hmm. wow look at how brilliant they are Or are we doing it because we really want to lead people to the throne of grace? I don't know that I would be able to determine
2: my motives most of the time on that. I think they'd probably be mixed pretty often. Mm. And I think that's actually
4: Mm -hmm. the dynamic in the Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. And like Jesus's challenge, it cuts us to the quick because it causes us to reflect Mm -hmm. on areas and ways. And so the best we can do sometimes is just to be aware Mm -hmm. and to try to not be in that place where I'm using the type of words or mm-hmm. I'm trying to be impressive with what I say. And I think that's the beauty of the challenge is that, you know, that's a day-to-day journey of am I doing this to impress people or am I doing this to connect with God?
1: That's so honest. And, you know, I think that is the the nut here is that it's an honesty before God in spite of ourselves. Okay, the third element, Bill, would you grab verses 16 16- up to 18.
3: Yeah, we're still in Matthew 6. Yeah. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, hypocrites again, mm-hmm. for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. Truly I tell you they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. Mm-hmm. And your father who sees what is done in secret mm-hmm. will reward you. Mm-hmm.
2: It is almost helpful hmm. to think of doing the opposite of each of these, right? Like <laughs> announcing my giving with trumpets or finding the highest, most public place to pray <laughs> eloquently or to like wear all ripped, torn clothes and put dirt on my face to show I'm not eating it helps really bring out a the think, hyperbole what Jesus is saying. yes <laughs> yeah.
1: of it. it that's really fun, you're right because it does contrast how ridiculous that would be, mm-hmm. disfiguring your face, making it obvious, making it public when it should be private. All three of these elements are our service mm. to god they are our, our adoration of God,
4: yeah, and it's interesting you see that word hypocrites because I would say in the culture, sadly, that is what I think is. A lot of times how people see Christians mm-hmm. or just religious folks, yes. you know, as putting on the show of piety, mm-hmm. but then also being very mean, judgmental or, or judgmental. Or, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is why Jesus predates all of those criticisms and says from the beginning, we need to be humble. We need to be private with our expressions. And not try to showboat and try to say, look at me, look at how spiritual I am. Mm -hmm. Because especially when that is contrasted with your actual life, Mm -hmm. it not only turns people off to you, but even to if that's what it means to follow God, I don't want to have anything to do with
1: it. Are you guys familiar with the classic children's book, A Secret Garden? Um, It was published in the early 1900s by Francis Hodgson Burnett. I had to look that up. And it's the story of two kids, cousins, who lived on an estate in England. And the girl is an orphan and the boy is bedridden. Um, His father is a widower and he travels all the time. He's always gone. His mother, the guy's wife, died in this beautiful walled garden. And because he was so grief-stricken, the father locked the garden Okay. And didn't let anybody go in it. But the children found the key and they re-entered the garden and they found great joy playing. And the boy eventually even could walk as a result mm. of the freedom that came, a secret garden. You know, it's, it's just kind of magical and mysterious and wonderful in my imagination. Mm-hmm. And um, do you have a secret place like that in your mind or in your life? A secret, maybe even place you go and meet with God.
3: Hmm. Does it have to be a secret? Secret. I mean, you know, I I mean, I don't think of the term a secret place. I think of the term more of my happy place. Okay. We have a deck behind our condo in North Carolina. And on a pretty afternoon, I'd love to just sit back there in the quiet and read. Mm -hmm. I live in an area called Hidden Lakes, (laughs) which
2: kind of fits well with this. And our little lake that is behind our house, is not huge? Some people would call it a pond but there's only a couple houses on it. And so sitting on the dock or getting in a Mm -hmm. kayak and going around on the lake is my hidden space. Yeah. We're living in a duplex in Brooklyn (laughs) (laughs) uh, with three
4: other people. Yeah. Good Uh, luck. (laughs) There's not really (laughs) secret places, (laughs) but I will say when I really am wanting to just kind of, experience the day especially getting up around sunrise Mm. and sitting on my stoop outside you know but just to journal and kind of reflect Mm. it it is a way of just kind of having some time to myself yeah
1: beautiful I think what's um common in all of these examples is a it's your spot. You know, it's Mm -hmm. a place that's yours and you do something that is meaningful to you there. Journal, Mm -hmm. pray, read, you know, that kind of thing. It's uh, internal work is going on Mm -hmm. in that place. Well, as we continue our conversation about secret things, there is a, a, just a small mention of the secret place in a very well-known Psalm. It's in Psalm 139. And I, I wanted us to chew on it for a little while, meditate on it for a little while, and see what we learn about. Why is this a place? Why is it Mm -hmm. secret? What happens there? Why is it important? As we get going, though, first, what do we know about Psalm 139? It's
2: one that a lot of people quote, and it's probably one of the passages of Scripture that shows how much dignity humans have because of how intentional God was in creating each of us of almost any other passage that I can think
3: of. Mm-hmm. It's a Psalm of David mm-hmm. and it's in book five mm-hmm. of the Psalms, which has significance.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What is book five? Remind us.
3: Yeah. So that's
2: after the exile and they're back in the land. And it also kind of pushes forward to when God will make all things right mm-hmm. at the end of time. Um, so it makes total sense that it would be there as humans come to a right understanding of who they are because of God's redemption.
1: You know, hold on to that thought as we read this, because we read this psalm very personally. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, lots of times I'll read the psalm and put my name in it. But let's also hold on to this end uh, redemption story that God has mm-hmm. in mind. And, and let's, let's go ahead and read it. Let's just go around and listen for the secret place. Bill, do you want to start us?
3: Okay. Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit?
1: of course. Mm -hmm. Um, In verses 7 to 12, there's a focus on darkness and light, right? And we've learned about secret things are usually in the dark and revealed. Revelation happens in the light. I think it's interesting in verse 11, he says, if I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me. That hide me means to bruise or to crush isn't that Mm -hmm. interesting Mm -hmm. as we've talked about in one of our conversations about secret sins and and how hard they are on us and how you know our shame leads us to hide Mm -hmm. you know God's glory is what he hides but his glory is going to free us from our shame I think that's fascinating to look at that crushingness of being in the darkness okay then verses 13 to 16 this is where the image is painted of the secret place what comes to mind as you read that in verse 13? You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Then he goes down. My frame mm-hmm. was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. What's he talking about?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, right in verse 13, the inmost being, it's like that's kind of the most internal secret mm-hmm. place within us. And so there's almost a like God's wiring, even like the deepest parts of who we are that others may never see. So I see it right there, which then leads up to I was made in the secret place, woven together in the depths of the earth. I mean, I've always pictured the womb.
1: Uh Well, he says my mother's womb Mm -hmm. Uh in verse 13. But what's interesting, Daniel, you just pointed out in my inmost being, my inmost being is being created within my mother's womb. I wonder if he's talking about our soul, Mm. you know, our deepest part of us that will live on always.
3: Yeah, I was wondering that, too, the inmost being being the maybe the personhood, the individual personhood that each of us has. And I think that, Daniel, goes back to your comment about it's a psalm that shows just how much dignity God has given us by the way he has fashioned us and woven us together as the individual persons that we are. There's nothing random about it. Mm.
4: Yeah, in terms of, mm. I'm like a little confused. I kind of go in different places. Like when I was made in a secret place, I thought it meant like, is he talking about where he was actually conceived mm-hmm. or, but then when I see depths of the earth, I think of like the earth's core. I don't know what that means.
3: Yeah, I think the heart of the earth thing or depths of the earth. I think that's a metaphor for the womb. Oh. Um, and, I
2: see. Yeah. And there is a theme in ancient culture of like the primordial sea or the sea being the thing out of which creation happens. And even in Genesis, we see that, right? Right. Like God's hovering over the sea and then everything comes out. So it's like the place of like chaos and disorder out of which God makes order. And so I would imagine that's probably part of this too, is God's taking that chaos and disorder like Mm -hmm. he did in Genesis, but instead of applying it to all of creation in this Psalm, it's, Emphasis on day six of yeah. God mm. weaving together and making human beings. Yeah, and and now knitting. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. yeah.
1: Which you imagine it is knitting. That's exactly what the word is. And it's you imagine capillaries and veins and all these things coming to cover the inmost being the soul thing. But I like what we're doing with this two level conversation because I don't know that I've actually looked at Psalm 139 this way exactly before. Understanding that God knit me together in the secret place, but he really knit all of creation together Mm -hmm. in the metaphorical depths of the earth, the secret place. It's like the earth was his womb Mm -hmm. for all of creation and brought forth all of creation from it.
3: It made us out of the dust of the earth. Mm -hmm. Yes,
1: the secret place. And this understanding of, you know, whether it's on my back deck or in my front stoop by my pond, the secret place is the place where God creates and my soul needs to rest in that secret place daily mm-hmm. in order for him to recreate me that blows my mind that makes me want to set up an official secret place you know to <laughs> to really focus on and be with him one uh, writer suggests this is a quote our souls need to be protected from overexposure just as our eyes need to be closed at times for sleep, so to our souls. They need time alone with themselves, time to healthily deepen their individuality so as to make them richer. Mm-hmm. That's just a beautiful thought. We need time in a secret place that God might continue his creative work in us.
0: We're listening to the Discover the Word podcast from Our Daily Bread Ministries. And you're joined by Elisa Morgan, Bill Crowder, Daniel Ryan Day, and Rasul Berry as the group continues to talk about secret things, how the idea of secrets in the Bible can expand our understanding of God's character and how we are to live in relationship to Him and to others. Now, do you get the same emails as I get, the same texts and robocalls on your phone? you see the same ads on the games you play, uh, promising to give you The secret, you know, the secret to fixing your golf swing or the secret to not losing your retirement savings, the secret to losing weight, the secret to basically whatever they're trying to sell you. I'm always skeptical, but uh, there have been times that I've clicked on one only to find that my skepticism was for the most part justified. Not sure they've ever delivered on their promise to give me the secret. Well, we're going to wrap up this study here on Discover the Word by looking at a familiar passage that gives the secret to contentment. And I think the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Philippians is a way more reliable source than those who are marketing their secrets to us today. So join the group for a conversation about the secret to contentment. After we take a moment to preview for you our next study together here on Discover the Word. time on the Discover the Word podcast, Bill takes us to a, a puzzling
3: passage in which Jesus heals a man by the pool of Bethesda. For our conversations this time on Discover the Word, we're going to look at what I call a very puzzling passage. There's a lot of mystery in here. There are a lot of questions. And sometimes as I've studied this text, it doesn't seem like there are very many answers.
1: Okay, Bill, is there just one of these passages in the Bible? (laughs) This is the only one. And
3: that's why we're going to do it. No, there are a bunch of them. And part of what I'm hoping is that as we work through this text, that maybe our friends who are at the table with us might get some ideas on how to study difficult texts that they come across in the scripture. So it's kind of a Bible study on Bible study as well as looking at a particular text
0: and so what is it that makes this particular healing miracle by Jesus so puzzling we'll find out in our next discover the word podcast called by the pool and now for the conclusion of this study about secret things we go to Philippians chapter 4 and what Paul writes about the secret to contentment what does it mean to you to be content
3: Mm.
1: Deep size, Yeah, <laughs> all I mean,
3: it's <laughs> maybe the hardest thing to allow yourself to experience because we live in a culture of more and more, faster, faster. And we're almost trained that you can never have enough. If one's good, 10's better. Mm. You know, that kind of thing. Wow. And, I love the
1: way you put it. To allow yourself to experience. Like you can be it and not even know you are it, the Mm -hmm. way you're expressing it.
2: Yeah. And as I think about just the way you set that up, Bill, we're trained to notice when we're not content.
1: Ooh, yeah. We're
2: not really trained to notice when we are. Yeah. Yeah. And so probably the moments we experience contentment, we tend to miss because it'll be something like, just sitting on a dock or sitting Mm -hmm. on a patio or enjoying a good meal and we haven't paused to think to ourselves like, I'm content right now. Mm -hmm. Whereas, when we watch something and an ad pops up, we're trained to see that and go, I don't have that. I want that. Mm -hmm. My life is lacking because I don't have it. Yeah. I think about this in food terms. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
4: I don't know if there's a word in the English language that describes this, but... When you've had the perfect amount of food and drink, <laughs> it's like if I taste anything else, it'll mess it up. Yeah, but right it's now, it's like equilibrium. So like that's like contentment because if I eat more, it'll actually ruin it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what I mean? But if I didn't have enough, it wouldn't quite get me there. And uh, reminds me in Proverbs thirty, you know, the uh, writer says, "Give me neither poverty nor riches, mm-hmm. but give me only my daily bread."
1: That's so rich what you guys are saying. So, Rasul, you have to balance it. Contentment is about balance. Daniel, contentment's about noticing it. Mm -hmm. And Bill, contentment's about allowing it. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. Let's look at a passage that talks about it as we consider what's the secret Mm. to contentment. And Paul gives us the answer. We're gonna look at Philippians 4, verses 10 through 19. Let's just go around and read those verses. Would you start us off?
4: I rejoice greatly in the Lord That at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do
2: all this through Him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account.
3: I have received full payment and have more than enough. I'm amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus.
1: There's a lot here. And Paul's secret to contentment in any and every situation, this is in verse 12, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want, is in context of his life.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: And so what do we know about the book of Philippians in general? And what do we know about Paul's life in general? Did he always have everything he needed?
3: <laughs> you read Second Corinthians 11, all the things that he suffered and endured and stuff for the gospel. His life was not easy. But then again, Almost nobody's life was easy in in the ancient world. Life was a battle. And it included him referencing not having food to eat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And
4: I mean, this letter in particular is a study of of contrast because he's in prison. You know, it's one of the prison epistles. I mean, he's in prison for preaching the gospel, right? And there's even people who are, you know, uh, opposing him. And yet at the same time, it is often referred to as the letter of where the joy just overflows off the pages. And he even keeps saying, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Mm -hmm. And so the contrast between his actual circumstances being in prison for preaching the gospel versus his expression of joy and contentment Mm -hmm. seem really interesting.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. there's something connected almost Right. Which is so odd because, you know, as we went around defining contentment as we started this conversation, there's so much intentionality about it. it, it it's like something you have to work at, mm-hmm. <laughs> which seems to be the opposite of contentment. Yeah. But it's there, and even Paul's fleshing this out.
3: Yeah, I think, I think you're onto something there, Lisa, because even as we were talking about it, like you said, it seems like there's so much in society that mitigates against contentment that you got to want it. I love when Paul says, I am amply supplied. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many times in his life could he have been able to say that? Not many. Hmm.
1: And probably that means I'm not super wealthy. You know, there is a learning that has happened that he's content with maybe a different amount, Mm -hmm. you know, because that happens in our lives too. But when you really taste hunger and coldness and shipwrecks and beatings and not having enough, then amply supplied takes on a whole different meaning, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Okay, the word secret here, I've learned the secret to contentment, is to learn something through personal experience. I love that. To learn a mystery that was beforehand hidden, and I didn't have access to it, to learn that through personal experience. And if you think about that, you think about all the things he went through. And Bill, you quoted, you know, 2 Corinthians 11, you know, and that's the passage that has the, you know, paragraphs of all of his sufferings. Paul has been initiated into a state of contentment, a changing circumstances.
2: And that's why verse 13 is so important, because he's not going to be able to do that on his own. Mm. To see those circumstances and have those experiences and find contentment, it's impossible. Yeah. But with Christ, yes. all things are possible. Right? so can, He can mm-hmm. do all things through Christ who gives him the strength to be content. Which is why I kind of bristle at this being
4: so oftentimes widely misused. Yeah. Yeah. I can bench press
2: 600. Because <laughs> right, I can do all things like Christ, Superhero verse. That's yeah. like, I
4: can, you know, if I just grip my teeth, I can yeah. Do, yeah. experience. But in actuality, what he's saying, I think, reflects back to even the previous chapter when he refers to in Philippians uh, 3.10, that I may know him mm-hmm. and the power of his resurrection mm-hmm. and may share his sufferings, mm-hmm. becoming like him in death, mm-hmm. that by all possible means I may attain the resurrection mm-hmm. from the dead. Paul is pointing to the fact that I have learned the secret that I can endure mm-hmm. all of these trials and difficulties and even the temptation of having yeah. plenty, right, mm-hmm. yeah. as well yeah. as having yeah. lack yeah. because of the Model because of the presence and the person
3: of Christ who also endured all things. Mm -hmm. What we know is that words have shades of meaning. Mm. They're very seldom static. They have shades of meaning. And one of the possible translations I read for the word do is endure. Mm. And if you say I can endure all Mm. things (laughs) through Christ who strengthens me, that's a whole lot different than being able to bench press a bus. Mm. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. to be able to endure that means in the circumstances of life, there's a contentment that comes just from Christ as he carries yeah. us through that experience. Yeah,
4: because this is so, I think, important because what ends up happening when people misappropriate the verse to make it that anything's possible and everything is gonna happen Mm -hmm. is that they can end up lacking contentment because what if I put that on my sneakers before the big game and I (laughs) missed the shot, (laughs) Yep. right? Or like, so what does that mean? And Mm -hmm. then it causes me to feel like, oh, I failed and I've missed the ultimate goal. But Mm -hmm. if I'm seeing that and understanding it as endure, then the goal and the prize Mm -hmm. isn't the win, Mm -hmm. it's the presence.
1: And go back to verse 12, the secret to contentment, because you guys are really onto it with endure for the word do in verse 13. I can endure all things through him who gives me strength. But I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want. That word content, Paul is using it as a divinely bestowed sufficiency huh. so the contentment is something god provides within us mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. that's the through christ part of and verse that's 13. the through christ part yeah.
1: yeah the contentment really does come from him and and paul's building this understanding of he talks about all the ways he suffered and now he talks about all the ways god has provided and i just think to ourselves if you look at your life and you know maybe it's on the deck chair or at the pond or wherever you're secretly content The reality is the real contentment comes as we let God rearrange our understanding of what suffering looks like. You know, that's really what it's about, and knowing that his presence and his redemption of our world and of ourselves, his plan for that is what he's revealing, secrets revealed to all of us, inviting us to the secret of contentment.
0: Great series of conversations about some of the different kinds of secrets we find in the Bible. And closing with that secret to contentment that Paul talked about in his letter to the Philippians. It's important to put that whole section of chapter 4 into context to understand the perspective shift that makes that secret so important for followers of Christ. Well, Lisa Morgan, Bill Crowder, Daniel Ryan Day, and Rasul Berry, your study partners, for these conversations about secret things. Discover the Word is a small group Bible study from Our Daily Bread Ministries in Grand Rapids, Michigan, in which we invite you to walk with us through topics and passages that inform the way we read the scriptures, challenge us as we live our lives as followers of Christ, and always point us to discover Jesus in the pages of the Bible. Thanks for listening. I'm Brian Hedinga. Discover the Word is provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries.